Hey, good morning, guys. I, uh, I heard you guys had some great conversations last night. I heard some of you guys were asking some really good questions. And man, I just, I want you to know, I think this is a great week to really be honest and ask the questions that you really have. I told you last night that we already know statistically 50% of us have questions about God and the Bible. Did you know less than 10% of us will go to our, our pastor and ask those questions to a pastor and say, hey, are there good answers here? Can I get real answers to the questions that I have? Can Christianity really answer my questions? Can, does God's Word, does the Bible really have the solutions that, that really satisfy the soul? We mentioned last night this kid, Luca, that I talked to, and how Luca adopted an atheistic worldview. And I, I was challenging him, and I was wondering, I'm like, why are you adopting a worldview that doesn't make sense of the very feelings that you have? Why are you adopting a worldview that says there is no right and there is no wrong? Man, I'm thankful uh, you guys are starting off the week right. Some of you are already opening up and sharing things that typically it takes a little bit longer in the week to be willing to open up and share about because you're just not sure, can I trust these people? And I'm thankful for a camp. I'm thankful for a staff. I'm thankful for counselors that are serious about going, hey, you can trust me with this. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll talk to you. We can, we can talk about things that are, that are really difficult, really um, sometimes frustrating to talk about. Because at the end of the day, we know we want you to be able to have answers. And you can have answers. You see, I think confusion is killing a lot of people. It's destroying a lot of people's faith, confusion. And if you're confused, you're going to lose. And not only are you going to lose, the people around you are going to lose. And, and and let me just tell you, eternity is way too long for you or a friend or a loved one to be wrong. You really can have answers, and you should have answers. Here's four questions you need to write down. These are the four questions you're going to try to answer throughout your life. This is it. Your whole life, you're going to try to figure out the answer to these four questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going when I die? You're going to spend your entire lifetime trying to figure out your answer to these questions. Now, the way you answer these am I allowed to come out here? No. Oh, that's what it's Okay. The way you answer these four questions depends on how you see the world, your perspective. People have, can have different perspectives on this world, can't they? So what's the right, is there a right perspective and a wrong perspective? Or, or is, is everybody's perspective Right. Well, if everybody's perspective is right, then nobody can be wrong. And we're back to that. There's no right and there's no wrong. That breaks a basic law of logic, a law that says, here's how you're supposed to think. But A cannot both be A and not A at the same time. You cannot both be in the chapel and not in the chapel at the same time. That's one of the laws of logic. It's just a basic law that we got to go through. So here's the questions. Did I give you enough time to write them down? Did you get them all? Okay, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going when I die? You're going to spend your whole life trying to answer these questions, and the way you answer it is based on your worldview, your perspective, how you see the world. So when you look around and you see the trees, when you look around and you see people and you look into their eyes, what do you see? Do you see a human being made in the image of God? Or do you see an animal that evolved over billions of years? 
They can't both be right, can they? One perspective says you were made by God in God's image. Another perspective says nothing created you. You evolved over billions of years from an animal. And we are nothing but highly evolved animals. Both of these views cannot both be right at the same time. That means one has to be right, one has to be. Yeah. I mean, is that pretty simple? So how do you answer this? If you believed in, let's say we believed in an evolution worldview, and we believe we're nothing but a highly evolved animal, how would we answer the four basic questions of life? Who am I? Well, we're some evolved protoplasm that washed up on the beach about four billion years ago. And that's, I'm not, that's literally what they would teach from an evolution worldview. You're some protoplasm that washed up on the beach in the, in the, they call it the, the oceans mixed with the kind of the beach, and it made this stuff they call soup, primordial soup. Lightning literally struck the soup is what they would say, and it came alive. And you evolved from that. Uh, what about question number two? Where did I come from? Well, if the evolution worldview is true, we came from a, a big bang, a cosmic belch, somewhere around 13 to 20 billion years ago. What about question number three? Why am I here? Hey, I want, seriously, think about this. And this would be a good thing to talk about in your so what time after, the, after we're done here. If we are just an accident that is here for no reason, what is the purpose to life? Why do you exist? Why are you here? Why do you live life? What is the purpose for your existence? Think about that in your so what time. It's got some big ramifications if evolution is true. I would argue that if evolution is true and you're just an accident, you evolve from an animal over billions of years, there's no big purpose in life. There's no real meaning. You can make up your own purpose. You do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Live your own life. Be all that you can be. You only go around once. Get all the gusto you can get. Matter of fact, humanism, this is the humanist worldview, humanism says the end of all being, the reason we exist is for happiness. So your job is to go get all the happiness you can out of life. Is that true? So what's the real purpose to life? We'll get that in just a second. What about number four? Where am I going when I die? If evolution is true, where are you going when you die? Yeah, nowhere. You're going down into the ground, right? Six feet under. Going to get turned into a worm or whatever comes along and eats you. But you're basically, you know, turning back into soup, back into dust, and you're going nowhere when you die. If you believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, would you answer those questions differently? If you believe I am made in the image of God, would you answer these questions differently? Yeah. I mean, who am I? Man, I am an individual. I'm a human being distinct from the animals made in the image of God Almighty. Where did I come from? Well, other than the obvious mom and dad, but ultimately, where did humanity come from? God created man. God created the whole universe. He created it special. He created it unique, and he created people distinct from the animals. Why am I here? Hey, why are we here? If God's word is true and God really made you, why are you here? I think there's confusion over this. What do you think? Wow, to worship God. That's a great way to put it. Anybody else? What do you think? 
to share the gospel because we live in a sin-cursed world and not everybody believes the truth of the gospel. And the gospel is simple. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ and believing in that, trusting in that for our payment of sin. What do you think? To worship him because he's worthy of all the praise. I want to talk about that on another night because that is a powerful thought right there. That is an incredibly powerful thought. What do you think? To serve whatever purpose God has for us. In other words, you're in charge. I'm not. I'll do whatever you want me to do, right? Wow. Powerful thought. What do you think? To make disciples. Wow. See, I think a lot of times in churches we focus on evangelism, and I love evangelism. I love sharing the gospel. I'll share with you guys some stories of how I do that. I do it all the time. I love sharing the gospel. But we not, need to not only uh, share the gospel, we need to make disciples. And man, I think we, we do that. We serve God when we make disciples. That means literally teaching people the truth. That means saying, here's, here's what the Word of God says. Here's why the Bible is an authority. Matter of fact, Byron, did you cover the authority of Scripture this morning? And how many of you guys went to uh, early devotions this morning? How many of you came? Man, was that good or what, man? Hitting that, look, we got to have an ultimate authority. And God's Word is the authority. Powerful, powerful. Hey, if God's Word is true, where am I going when I die? Well, it's one of two places, isn't it? It's either heaven or it's hell. Can you imagine, can you imagine a world where there was no judges, no law enforcement, nobody nobody controlling what other people do. No authority, no justice. How many of you have ever had something stolen from you or your family? How many of you have had something bad happen to you or your family? Let me ask you something. Are we glad there is a justice system? Yeah. We're not glad there's a justice system? There's got to be a judge, though. There's got to be somebody that says, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. Here's the law, and you did wrong. I mean, imagine, I mean, some of you don't have to imagine. Imagine that terrible thing happening and nobody having to pay the penalty for that bad thing happening because of what they did. That wouldn't be a good world, would it? We actually, we actually long for a world with justice. We want there to be justice. And that's why the answer as a Christian, creation review says it's one of two places. It's either heaven or it's hell. And just like we're glad, as much as we want to speed, we're glad there are police out there. We're glad there are people out there to, to take care of the justice system. We're going to be really glad there's an ultimate judge, an ultimate creator. This says nobody is going to go unpunished. Everybody is going to get their just rewards. You're going to be glad that God is the judge of all the earth. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to, any, uh, to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. This is a command from God saying, hey, if you want to claim Christ, if you want to be a believer, then if you want to be a follower of Christ, you need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to be able to tell others what you believe. I appreciate you guys are already last night and this morning. Great feedback. You guys are already practicing this. Now, I go and I speak in public schools. I'll go to universities. And I'm telling you, man, there's a lot of kids out there that need an answer. They don't have the truth. 
and they need the truth really bad. They ask questions like this, and maybe some of you wrote these questions down. By the way, how many of you already turned in one of your questions? Good, good. I need more questions. I need everybody turning in their questions uh, to, to Jeff in the back, okay? To Coach Jeff. Man, write those questions down. What questions do you have for God? Write those down. Put them on the back because I want to actually talk about those. But here's some questions I get. If God created the universe, who created God? You ever heard that one before? Yeah. What's the answer to that? How do you get out of that? It's like, well, are we stuck? Is Christianity no good because of this question? What do you think? Say it again. Yeah, the question assumes something that's not true, doesn't it? The question assumes that God was created. Was God created? No. It's like if I asked you, hey, how long are you going to keep lying to your parents? What does that question assume? That you're lying to your parents. It's got an assumption built into it. So it's a, it's a question that has a built-in assumption that God was created and God was not created. So the question shows us that when you ask this question, you don't know what you're talking about. God wasn't created. Anyway, we got a lot of questions. I don't, I'm not going to answer them all right now, but hey, haven't scientists disproved the Bible? Is there life in outer space? What do you guys think? <laughs> Astronauts, that's good. No, like aliens, is there life in outer space? How many of you say, yeah, man, there's life out there? How many of you say, no, there's not? How many of you say, I have no clue? Okay, all right, all right. Some of you are kind of daydreaming in outer space right now. It's like kind of there. Hey, what about this? What about all those ape men? What about the half men, half ape? What do we do about those? Hey, was there really an ice age? Uh huh. I saw the movie. <laughs> that was a cartoon, okay? <laughs> Difference between that and real life. Hey, did God really create everything in six days? Could God have done that? Doesn't carbon 14 disprove the Bible? Doesn't that show the earth is millions and billions of years old and therefore the Bible's not true? Because the Bible, when you add up the dates in the Bible, you get about 6,000 years, about 2,000 from Adam to Abraham, about 2,000 from Abraham to Jesus, and about 2,000 from Jesus to today. So doesn't, Car doesn't science disprove the Bible? What? Was it, okay, yeah, the Bible was written several thousand years ago. If something's written a long time ago, does that mean it's not true? No. What about this? Some people say, well, ah, the Bible was written by man. Say again. Yeah, prophets wrote some of it. Um, some of his disciples wrote some of it. Yeah, it's written by different people. But it's interesting, you know, that very thought. The Bible's written by man. That means you can't trust it. That's what they're thinking. Um, guys, everything is written by man. Everything you read, written by man. Like, does that? do we apply that logic to all of our textbooks? <gasps> Those textbooks were written by man. No, we don't apply the same logic, do we? What did you want God to use, pandas? I mean, he had to use something as his instrument to write, to write his word. So maybe it was a long period of time to him, but not to us. We might get into that. We might get into that because there's a verse about that, but it's not teaching what a lot of people say it's teaching. Hey, what about the races? Where did all the races come from? Hey, how can a good God, how can a good God allow suffering and, an evil, and, and, and evil? How do we answer these questions? See, I'm glad some of you are already thinking about this and you got a good worldview already. What do you think? 
Yeah, so sin came, God gave us the freedom and we chose sin. And sin is what has caused all the problem and the destruction in the world. God made a perfect world. He didn't make a world full of sin and death. He made perfection. He made paradise. Well, my family and I, we love uh, Pensacola Beach. We go witnessing on Pensacola Beach. We love sharing the gospel. Got so many stories of cool stories of, of getting to lead people to the Lord out there. It's awesome. But I do this just to challenge people's worldview. I want you to come to Christ. I want to take the things that are stopping you from seeing Jesus Christ as the creator and the redeemer of mankind and let you realize those things those things can be used as stepping stones to come to know him. Okay, hey, here, here's another reason I do this. Um, this is a uh, university. He was a university professor, a philosophy professor. I just want you guys to know what you're, what you're up against. You know, when you go off to college, you're going to be facing some, some people that are pretty, pretty hardcore against religion, pretty hardcore against God, pretty hardcore against the Bible. Richard Rorty is one of those. He said, secular professors in the universities ought to arrange things so that students who enter as bigoted, homophobic, religious fundamentalists will leave college with views more like our own. He said, students are fortunate to find themselves under the benevolence or the love of people like me and to have escaped the grip of their frightening, vicious, dangerous parents. He would say, what you guys are doing, the fact that your parents are sending you to a Christian camp is wrong. Shouldn't happen. He goes on, he says, we're going to go right on trying to discredit you, talking to the parents, in the eyes of your children, trying to strip your fundamentalist religious community of dignity, trying to make your views seem silly rather than discussable. And I'm just telling you, that's what's going to happen. You guys are going to face, if you hold on to God's word being true, if you hold on to Christianity, you're going to face absolute ridicule in the secular world. They're going to make fun of you in the secular world. I know they talk tolerance and they talk acceptance. They do not accept the Bible. They don't do it. It's interesting. If, uh, when you're in an audience, if, if you're speaking at a university, if you ever get a chance to do this, it's amazing. They will mock Christianity. They will mock Jesus Christ. They won't do that to Muhammad or Allah. They won't do that against Islam. They won't do that against Buddhism. They won't do it against Hinduism. It's only Christianity that they do that too. You wonder why, especially when you realize the Bible prophesied this is going to happen. They're going to do this. Dr. Richard Dawkins, one of the world's most famous evolutionists out there today, he said, it's absolutely safe to say that if you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane, or wicked, but I'd rather not consider that. Wow. Interesting. So, is Richard Dawkins right? Are we all just stupid for believing that God created the heavens and the earth? Those are his words, not mine. Is that what it is? So those four questions in life, again, you start answering those four basic questions and, and you're going to realize that your worldview makes a difference. If you believe that a big bang made this world from nothing, the humanist worldview, you're going to answer those questions very differently than I do. I believe God created the heavens and the earth. I believe you look around, this world is incredibly designed. Did you know your eye, just, 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 just think for a second, your eye, one eye, one eye, right there, just one eye. When you're forming in your mother's womb, your eye starts to develop, and it starts sending nerve signals back to the brain. At the same time that your eyes' nerve signals are going back to the brain, your brain is starting to develop these nerve signals that are having to go, and they're going to connect to the signals right in the middle, to the signals that are developing from the eyeball. 
How many of you have ever done any electrical work? You ever uh, like hooked a couple wires together, something like that, like an electrician? Yeah. But have anybody ever been shocked? Oh, in that car? Yeah. So, okay, I've done, been there, done that. Hey, hey, the, the, the eye has to make this connection with the nerves coming from the brain. And here's the deal. Connection number one has to match up with connection number one from the brain. So they're growing at the same time when you develop, and those two have to match up and connect. Connection wire number two has to match up with wire number... Wire number three has to match wire number... Wire number four has to match wire number... They all have to connect. Guess how many wires there are? Over one million connections in a space about that big. Over a million nervous connections have to take place. And you think that happened by chance? That's incredibly designed, incredibly designed. God is an amazing designer. God is gonna be the judge of all the world. We showed you this last night, the creation of the worldview and the evolution worldview. Creationists believe 6,000 years ago, God created the heavens and the earth. 4,400 years ago, there was a flood. I will keep talking about that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was here. Here we are today. Compare that to what evolutionists teach. Evolutionists say somewhere between 13 and 20 billion years ago, there was a, a big bang. What exploded for the big bang? Nothing exploded. And that's, I'm not, I'm not, that's literally what they say. I'm not making this up. That's, I'm not trying to make fun of. It's like, that's, that's the science of the day. Nothing exploded. They even have books about it. Uh, something from nothing is, is the title of one of the books, how everything came from nothing. Uh, 4.6 billion years ago, the earth cooled down, formed a hard rocky crust. It rained on the rocks for millions of years. Where did the rain come from? Nowhere. After millions of years of rain, it created the oceans. The oceans mixed with the rock. I forgot to mention this last night. Once the oceans mixed with the rock, it made this soup. They call it primordial soup. Lightning struck the soup. The soup came alive, found somebody to marry uh, 3 billion years ago, and it evolved. It turned into the fish, then the amphibians, then the reptiles, then the mammals. By the way, that's the word farm, F-A-R-M. Fish, amphibian, reptile, mammal, that's how you can remember it, okay? And then eventually it evolved into people. So that's the evolution worldview, the creation and the evolution worldview. Uh, skip this, skip this, skip this. Um, oh, I gotta skip this, sorry. Good stuff, good stuff. We saw last night that the idea of marriage is based on the truth of Genesis, uh, uh, God's word being true. We, we learned that sin, it brought what into the world? Sin brought death into the world. The reason I have death uh, is because we, we learned that from Genesis. We learned that clothing, the very idea of wearing clothes, is found in the book of Genesis. That's why we do that, okay? Some, it, it, just from an evolution worldview. If we're all animals, and I don't need to be weird. I know we're middle schoolers here, but why do we wear clothes? Oh, it's cold outside. It's feeling pretty good. I'm from Florida. It gets hot in Florida, okay? How many of you are from down in the valley? It gets hot down there, doesn't it? Wear clothes because it gets cold. No, if we're just an animal, not even clothing makes sense. Look around. We're living a Christian worldview. We're doing that right now. What's the foundational book of Christianity? It's the Bible. Right, excuse me, the foundational book of Christianity is Genesis, the book of Genesis. Richard Bozarth was another atheist. He said, Christianity has fought, still fights, and will continue to fight science to the desperate end over evolution. They're like, look, this is a big deal. Did evolution happen or not? Because evolution, and this is an atheist writing it, he gets it. Evolution destroys utterly and finally the very reason Jesus' earthly life was supposedly made necessary. Listen, he says, destroy Adam and Eve and the original sin, and in the rubble you will find the sorry remains of the Son of God. 
if Jesus was not the Redeemer who died for our sins, and this is an atheist saying it, he said, and that's what evolution means, that Jesus is not the Redeemer who died for our sins, then Christianity is nothing. Hey, we really are in a battle of worldviews. They're not both right. Somebody's wrong. I believe the evolution worldview is the one that is not correct. I was, uh, my wife gave me a job the other day. You'll learn this when you get married, guys. You get jobs from your wife. I'm sitting there on the couch, and I was watching something on TV, and she came and she set a basket in front of me, and it was my worst nightmare. Guess what was in the basket? Not just laundry, but socks. Oh, who said it? Oh, socks. She set a whole bucket of socks down in front of me and said, hey, honey, would you fold these? And, of course, I responded with a very sweet, yeah, I'd love to. And then I looked at the socks, and I was like, oh. I poured them out on my coffee table, and I ended up grabbing a, my, my phone and taking a picture real quick. I was like, okay, I, I just got to get this, got my picture, posted it on Facebook, and I said, does anybody else hate matching up socks? I said, seriously, I have a hard time putting socks together, but evolutionists believe that all the chemicals for life came together by chance. Oh, uh, by chance. I don't have that kind of faith. Just a simple little, hey, if it's, if it's like not fun for me to fold socks, then surely all the molecules for all of life getting together by chance. My socks don't fold themselves, okay? <laughs> but somehow life evolved by itself. I just, I don't have that kind of faith. Well, man, I got to tell you, I, get, I have a lot of atheists on my Facebook page. I love, love, love my atheist friends. Uh, we get there and we have good discussions on my Facebook page. Well, I started off a firestorm. I mean, you've heard the phrase, kicking the hornet's nest. Have you ever heard that phrase? I mean, can you imagine a hornet's nest there and you just wham? I mean, they do, they're not happy about that. I kicked the hornet's nest with this post and man, it started a da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da 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 da. Response, reply, response, reply. And it was just back and forth. Back. One of my friends, his name is Jason. Jason saw this. He jumped out there and he started going back and forth with some of my atheist friends. And I loved it. I'm like, oh, this is good. They're talking all this stuff. Finally, one of my atheist friends responds to Jason and he says, You're so stupid. I was like, Okay, keyboard warrior. You guys will say things behind a keyboard, won't you? But, you know, a little, little comment here and there that you would never say to somebody's face, don't you? Yeah, you better be careful, okay? You better be careful. Anyway, this guy goes, you're so stupid, talking to my friend Jason. And his comment after that floored me. I was so shocked. I had to write a blog about it. I put it up on my website. It never ceases to amaze me. It all started with socks. And here's what the guy said next to my friend Jason. He said, you're so stupid. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that God didn't create the world and evolution is true. Take a wild stab in the dark, total guess. What is my friend Jason's occupation? He's a rocket scientist. The dude builds rockets for NASA and for the government. There he is. He's inside one of the cells, one of the fuel cells, one of the big containers that holds the fuel that, that sends the rockets up in space. The dude is amazing. He was an F-18 fighter pilot. Then he went on to do uh, all kinds of experimental aircraft. 
and now he launches rockets into space. I mean, he's a stinking rocket scientist, and they're making fun of him. He now has a ministry uh, called Anvil Ministry. Incredible guy. There he is. Uh, that's one of the satellites that they're going to be launching up into space. Anyway, just cool guy. But he just very lovingly said, hey, I'm not seeing the science. Matter of fact, on our YouTube channel, uh, Creation Today, I do a video every week on our YouTube channel. On my YouTube channel, I get people all the time commenting, oh, there's not a bit of, there, there's nothing in here that's true. And so I respond nicely. And I'm like, well, could you give me an example? They don't give examples. You realize it's all fluff. It's just an argument without any substance behind the argument. It's, it's ad hominem attacks. What you're saying is you're just lying to people. Oh, could you explain to me what I said that's a lie? Crickets, nothing. They don't say anything after that. It's kind of ironic. Anyway, um, Jason, by the way, got saved when he learned about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'd love to have time to talk about that with you guys. I don't know if I'll have time. I did a whole small group on the resurrection of Christ. It is, oh, it's, it's powerful. I don't have time to go into that. Um, here we go. So the Bible says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. We get two chapters later, chapter number three. I don't know if you've ever gotten that far in the Bible. I know, you know, you guys are young, maybe three whole chapters is a little too much for you. But anyway, chapter number three, we learn something. We learn that Satan is the one who started to deceive God. Matter of fact, this is the very first thing out of Satan's mouth recorded in the Bible. Satan said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye should not eat of every tree of the garden? You know, the very first sentence out of Satan's mouth was a question, questioning, God's word. Hey, did God really say that? Guess what? This is the same tactic he uses today, 6,000 years later. He wants you guys to question, did God really say that? What's written in his word? Second thing he said, look at the second thing he said, hey, Eve, oh, come on, come on. You're not really going to die. You're not really going to, don't worry, you're not going to die. Now he's denying what God said. He got Eve to doubt what God said. Then he denied what God said. Then he said, as a matter of fact, Eve, if you eat off of that tree, ye shall be as what? Ye shall be as what? Ye shall be as gods. Now he's deifying mankind. Hey, hey, hey. This is the same tactic he uses today in your mind. He wants you to think, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't let anybody tell you what's right and wrong. You decide what's right and wrong. Don't let somebody lord authority over you. You be the authority. You be God in your own life. He's doing the same exact tactic. He wants you to question, did God really say? He wants you to doubt what God said, deny what God said, then deify mankind. And today, <laughs> look at the movies, man. Ye shall be as gods. Is there really, uh, are there really gods on other planets? Is that kind of the way this works? Is there life out there that's like, you know, ye shall be as gods? I mean, this is the idea of evolution, by the way. Evolution in a nutshell. We started off as an amoeba. Slowly over millions of years, we evolved. We got bigger, better, stronger, and smarter. One day, we might sail around the universe and discover new life forms. Just like the Marvel movies, just like Star Trek. Huh. You know, many, many religions of today have adopted this philosophy. I don't know if you realize this. I don't know how much you, how familiar you are with Mormonism. Mormons believe that if you're a good Mormon, you get to go start your own universe one day. You get to be the God of your own planet. 
Ladies, oh, blessed art thou, ladies. If you're a good Mormon wife, you get to go to heaven and be eternally pregnant. <laughs> blessed art thou, blessed art thou. My wife said, honey, that ain't paradise, okay? It's <laughs> not where I want to go. But that's that's what they teach in, uh, for Mormons. Guys, Satan's plan has always been the same. He wants to rule God's kingdom. He wants to make you doubt God's word. Then he wants you to deny God's word as the authority. And then he wants to offer you the kingdom and say, hey, you be God. You choose what's right and wrong. You do what you want. Don't let somebody else tell you what's right and wrong. The Bible said, beware, look out. Don't let somebody spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You need to be thinking God's thoughts. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The Mormon doctrine, official Mormon doctrine, exaltation is eternal life, the kind of life that God lives. He is a creator. We can become gods like our heavenly father. This is exaltation. They believe you can become a god one day. Actually, Satan is really the one that wants to be God. We learned that in the book of Isaiah. I don't know if you've studied this out, but Satan said these five I will statements. And it shows us he really wants to be God, but he can't be God. He said, how are the Bible says, how are they fallen from heaven? Uh, o Lucifer, son of the morning, you were cut down. He said, Satan said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Guys, Satan wants to be God, but the job is not available. It's already taken. God is God, and he's not allowed to give up that position. So Satan got mad at God. But in his little temper tantrum, he realized he can't do anything to God. So since he can't do anything to God, he gets mad at you and me because we're made in his image. And he knows the way to hurt God is to hurt you and to get you to follow after him rather than follow after God. You are made in the image of God. You know, Adolf Hitler, I don't know if you guys know who he was. Good guy or bad guy? Bad guy. Really bad guy, okay. Adolf Hitler said, if you tell a lie long enough, loud enough, and often enough, people will believe it. And he said, people are more likely to believe a big lie than a small one. Boy, is that the truth. And today, we've got a whole world, a whole education system that I'm convinced is teaching a lie to students. They're telling the students, in the name of neutrality, well, we can't have religion in the schools, so we're going to be neutral. And they're trying to teach this idea of evolution. That's not neutral. They're teaching a worldview. They're telling the kids they're nothing but an animal and there is no God. Now, they get it in through the science books. And like I said, guys, I love science. Oh, my goodness. I absolutely love science. But they're teaching it through the sciences. And the, the way they do it is they sneak it in, kind of like the way you would kill a rat. If you want to give, if you want to kill a rat, how many of you have a, um, any, any mice or rat problems you've ever had to experience that? Okay, I've had to experience that. You get rat poison. I don't know if you realize this. Did you know that rat poison is mostly good food? You're basically fattening the rat up, but you're adding with that good food just a tiny bit of poison, just enough so the rat doesn't know he's also ingesting poison, and it's that little tiny bit of poison that kills him. That's what's happening in the public education system with our textbooks. Kids are learning a lot of great science. Oh, you need to be learning the science. The science is good. But they've got a little bit of poison that's thoroughly mixed in where you don't even realize you're being poisoned by the, by the science textbooks. 
Now, we collect them. We love them. I taught you last night the scientific way to shoot a rubber band. By the way, the Bible even teaches this principle. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Let me tell you something. You want to shoot a rubber band far, put a lot more emphasis on that spiritual side. You want to go a long ways in life, put a lot more emphasis on your spiritual life. Put a lot more emphasis on your spiritual life if you want to go a long way in life. Hey, this is my friend Shelly. If I told you, hey, did you guys know that if you kissed a frog, that it will turn into a prince? You would say, Eric, come on. If I said, no, that's science, it's true, you would say it's not true. It's a fairy tale, right? How many of you have ever heard the fairy tale, frog turning into the prince from the, how many of you have ever tried kissing a frog, trying to get that, okay, a couple of, guys, put your hand down. That was for the girls, okay? Yeah, gross. Anyway, um, well, it's interesting. If I told you that if you kissed a frog, it would turn into prince, you would say that's a fairy tale. But in the textbooks, they're teaching that the frog turned into the prince. That's prince. <laughs> They're teaching the same fairy tale, frog to prince. But instead of the magic ingredient being a kiss, now the magic ingredient is time. Billions of years is what you need. Time does not help the evolution worldview. Hopefully we'll talk about that later. But hey, let me ask you something. If I told you that a frog turns into a handsome prince and it happens quickly, you would say that's a fairy tale. However, they are teaching that the frog did turn into the prince and it happened slowly, and we're calling that Modern science. That's a problem, isn't it? And they, here's how they teach it to the kids. First grade textbook. Here, look at what it says. Earth has changed much since its formation four and a half billion years ago. Now, if you tell that to a kid in first grade, is he going to believe you? Why? They believe anything you tell them, don't they? How many of you have taken advantage of that and tricked the first grader? Yeah, exactly, okay. They, how many of you have been tricked when you were a first grader? You, that's why you're returning the favor. I get it. Yes, yes. Oh, man. Then you tell them the same thing in second grade. Hey, boys and girls, since its formation four and a half billion years ago, Earth has changed. Hey, boys and girls, life has evolved on Earth. Now, stop. They're teaching this to kids in second grade. But the word evolve has several different meanings. And if you don't understand the difference between the different meanings and the word evolve, you're done. You're going to get hoodwinked. You're going to believe what they say. Because the word evolution has six different definitions. <clears throat> now, we said science is knowledge, right? Science is the, the study of the observable world. Let me cover these. Hey, can you guys stay awake and let me cover these six definitions real quick? We'll be done. We'll go play. Is that cool? I know it's the first day, but it's like, okay, we're going to do it. Six definitions. Write these down, okay? Six types of evolution. Number one, cosmic. Just write down cosmic. Cosmic evolution. Cosmic evolution. That evolution is the origin of time, space, matter, and energy. Where did the whole universe come from? Well, you're welcome to believe in cosmic evolution. In other words, it all created itself, no God, but there's no science to back it up. Now, science is things we can see, we can test, and we can demonstrate. Could we ever see, test, and demonstrate the Big Bang? No. So is it actually a scientific experiment or scientific theory? No, because you can't see it, test it, and demonstrate it. If you can't see, test, and demonstrate it, it's not part of science. What about, there's another one, chemical evolution. Where did we get all the elements that we have today? Now, you guys haven't had, have you guys already had to memorize the periodic table of elements? Uh, you, a couple, how many of you have already? Is that like eighth grade? Is that seventh, eighth grade? Periodic table of elements. You remember this thing right here, the chart? You know what I'm talking about? 
You don't have to. Mem- you don't have to memorize it. We had to memorize it. Oh man, schools. You guys had to memorize it. Okay. Here's what they teach. Here's what they teach. They say all of the elements in the whole universe evolved from hydrogen and helium. They say the Big Bangs produced hydrogen and helium. Hydrogen and helium turned into all the other elements that we have today. Now, let me ask you, can we do that today? No. Can we see it, test it, or demonstrate it? No. Now, you're welcome to believe that hydrogen and helium created all the other elements, but that's a belief. That's not science. We don't see it happening today. Uh, what about, um, what about uh, the third one is stellar and planetary. Stellar, it's spelled right there. Stellar, dude. Stellar and planetary evolution. How all the stars and the planets form. Guess how many stars we have watched form? Zero. Goose egg. Not one. We've never seen a star form. But they say all the stars in the whole universe just formed by themselves. We've never seen it. You can't test it, and you can't demonstrate it. Is it part of science? No, because you can't see, test, or demonstrate it. And by the way, there's a lot of stars out there, and the atheists will even admit, the evolutionists will admit, there's no evidence of star formation happening. They admit it. Uh, Martin Harwit, the silent embarrassment of modern astrophysics, we do not know how even a single one of these stars managed to form. They have no idea how it happened. The origin of stars represents one of the most fundamental unsolved problems of contemporary astrophysics. No idea how it happened. No one really understands how star formation proceeds. It's really remarkable. Boy, that's brilliant, isn't it? We've got no clue how it happens. It's amazing. <laughs> Wait, if you don't know how it happens, how do you know it's... Anyway, um, they don't know how it happens. They don't see star formation happening today, and there's a lot of stars out there. All we do see is stars blowing up. Those are called novas or supernovas. We never see stars form. Well, there's a lot of them out there. It's been estimated there are enough stars out there in space that every single person on Earth could own 11 trillion of them. You can have 11 trillion of your own stars. Go name them. (laughs) Have fun. You're going to be, and you're going to be, and you're going to be. You're going to be there for a while is what you're going to be, okay? That's 11 trillion stars. That's insane. What about organic evolution? Organic, write that one down. That would be the origin of life from non-life. How do you get things to come to life? Scientists today cannot make that happen. Think about it. If you had a frog, a perfectly good frog, the only problem was it was dead. Could you bring it back to life? I mean, what if you added energy? Here you have all the molecules in the right place. Let's add energy. Let's Let's put it in a blender. Is that going to help the frog come to life? No. We don't even understand life today completely. It's crazy. What do you think? Take one of his cells and clone it. But are we actually bringing that frog back to life or are we starting with life? Another dead frog. Organic evolution is the origin of life. We've never seen life come from non-life. This has never happened. Nobody knows how this happened. It, a matter of fact, it doesn't happen. We have tried for years and years and years, and you're going to be taught in school that these two guys, Miller and Yuri, produce life in the laboratory. That is a complete 
fabrication. It's a lie. They did not make life in the laboratory. What they made is a couple of amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks for life. But what they made was the equivalent of a couple letters in the alphabet. They didn't write any sentences. They didn't create any paragraphs. And they certainly didn't create any books. If you took the DNA in your body and wrote it out in book format, the DNA in your body, in your body, the DNA would fill enough books to fill Grand Canyon 40 times. And you want to tell me that that wrote itself? No way. I don't have that kind of faith. We don't know how life evolved or non-life. The uh, fifth one is macro. Macro means big, big evolution, changing from one kind of animal into another kind of animal. Have we ever seen one kind of animal turn into a different kind of animal? Never seen that. We've tried it. We've tested it. It can't happen. Matter of fact, there are barriers that keep that from happening. We, it's, it cannot happen. Scientifically, it's never been done. So should macroevolution be called part of science? Forget it. There's a variety of dogs in the world, but they're all still what? Dogs. I would argue the dog, the wolf, and the coyote probably had a common ancestor. A lot of them are interfertile. They can interbreed. It's the same kind of animal. The Chihuahua and the Great Dane are very different, but they're both still, if you consider a Chihuahua a dog, which I'm not sure if we should or not, but anyway. Our, let's vote on it. Should Chihuahuas as dog or rats? How many say dogs? How many say rats? Rats have it. All right. They're in the rat family. All right. Good. Wow. Stand back and look at it. You could ask a kindergartner. Hey, here's a dog, wolf, coyote, and a banana. Which one doesn't belong? Obviously, that's not too hard to figure out, okay? Mm. Then you have one kind of evolution called microevolution. Microevolution is small changes, little bitty changes. Do we see animals producing a variety of different animals? No, I mean a variety of the same kind of animal. Yes, we see that. Can dogs produce a variety of dogs? Yes. Does that mean the dog can turn into a pig? No, that's impossible. That can't happen. That's in, that doesn't. So what we see is microevolution. The rest of those are religious. The rest of those, listen, the rest of those are a belief system. You're welcome to believe in evolution, but that's what you're believing in one through five. What we observe is number six, and I object, really it shouldn't even be called evolution. All it is is an adaptation. And I would argue that's the way God designed it. God wanted the animals to be able to adapt to the different climates. He wanted birds that could live up at high altitudes and birds that could live at low altitudes. So inside the bird's DNA, he designed it where, they, based on where they live, it's called epigenetics, they could adapt to the different environments, and that's exactly what we see today. And I believe evolution is trying to steal the glory from God. I think it's Satan's way of saying, God didn't create this. Don't give glory to God, when really we should be looking at all the creation and giving glory to God for his creation. Oh, that was a good video, but I don't have time for that. So uh, macroevolution. Hey, uh, real quick. First law, here, here's the two basic laws of, of, of science, the two fundamental laws of science. First law and second law of thermodynamics. First law of thermodynamics says matter cannot be created or destroyed. Here's the bad news, guys. Everything is made out of matter. And this is one of the most fundamental laws in science. You can't create and you can't destroy matter. That's what I was thinking. I can destroy matter by burning wood or burning calories. Actually, no, you're changing its form. You're not destroying it. You're not actually destroying it. You're just simply changing its form. You burn wood, it turns it into heat energy. 
That's all it's done. You didn't really destroy it. You just changed its form. So here's the first law of thermodynamics. Matter can't be destroyed. Here's the problem. You're made out of matter. I'm made out of matter. Bench is made out of matter. Concrete's made out of matter. Parachute's made out of matter. Everything's made out of matter. If matter can't be created or destroyed, I got a question. Who made it? Yeah, you only got two choices. Either somebody made it or it made itself. Those are the only two choices you got. Actually, there's a few people out there that say, oh, we're not really here. The matter doesn't really exist. Guys, it, it is here and it does matter. I believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The evolution worldview teaches the Big Bang idea. According to the Big Bang, everything exploded over millions of years, uh, uh, several billion years ago. Uh, Scientific American, they put this in their journal. The observable universe could have evolved from an infinitesimal region. That means a dot. It's then tempting to go one step further and speculate the entire universe evolved from literally nothing. You're welcome to believe this, but that's not science. Discover Magazine did the same thing. Where did everything come from? The universe burst into something from absolutely nothing. At zero, nada. And as it got bigger, it became filled with even more stuff that came from absolutely nowhere. How is that possible? Ask Alan Gu, this theory of inflation helps explain everything. So they come up with this idea, the, the Big Bang idea. Everything got together and exploded. Here it is. I got a video. Here it is them teaching it on the Discovery Channel. Here they're teaching it on Discovery Channel. Check this out. The universe was born in a huge explosion of time and space, matter and energy called the Big Bang. Tiny quantum ripples grew into dense patches in the primordial brew. From these, galaxies condensed. A stunning variety of sizes and shapes. I thought, so that's how you teach your worldview. You make a video, talk with a British accent, and put it on Discovery Channel. I made a video about the Big Bang. You guys want to see my video? Here's my version of the Big Bang. A little less than 14 billion years ago, all the matter in the universe was condensed into a dot. The dot was very small, believed to be smaller than a period on a page. And then the dot began to spin and exploded. <laughs> we call this event the Big Bang. That was my version. They did not put it on Discovery Channel. They said it's hell up and review. I don't know why. It's a simple video. I'm like, come on, guys, release this thing. They won't release my video. I don't know why. I cannot figure that out at all. Hey, here's some questions. Just write these questions down. Where did matter come from? Who made the matter? Well, it depends on what worldview you believe. Who made the matter? Did it make itself or did somebody make it? What about this? Who, did the, who made the laws? We got laws that govern our universe. Gravity, centrifugal force, inertia, Boyle's law, coleslaw. That goes good with potato salad. Ooh, barbecue with coleslaw. Oh, that's so good. I, I like coleslaw, so you can't say no one. That is a lie. Stop lying, okay? Where did laws come from? Who's the lawgiver? Who said this is the way it's going to be? Hey, if laws are just, what if the laws evolved? What if the laws are always changing? Why don't, why don't you just weigh 10 pounds more one day? You say, Eric, I do. <laughs> oh, well, that's not because the law of gravity changed, okay? I've got that same problem. Uh, what about energy? Where did the energy come from? Hey, have you guys ever been on a merry-go-round? We've got, we should try this experiment. There's an experiment you can do with, no, not inertia, an experiment you can do with a merry-go-round. You get a couple of sixth graders on a merry-go-round. Where's my sixth graders? Get a couple of sixth graders on a merry-go-round. Okay, this is going to be great. We get you on the merry-go-round. We start pushing the merry-go-round, and we're going to push it clockwise. Now, some of you have a digital watch, and you have no idea what clockwise means, but anyway, never mind. We're going to spin it clockwise, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through three very distinct phases. Phase number one, you're going to be loving it. Yeah, baby, let's go faster, man, faster. So we're going to go faster. Phase number two, you're going to stop screaming, and you're going to quietly concentrate on hanging on for dear life. Phase number three, you're going to start screaming 
again. Only this time you're screaming, stop! I want off. You're going to cry like a little girl, but we're not going to stop because this is a science experiment, okay? This is in the name of science. We're going to go a little bit faster, somewhere between 80 and 100 miles an hour. We enter phase four, and this is what we've been waiting on. Phase four is where you guys will start flying off the merry-go-round. Now, this is really cool. We're going to videotape this, and we're going to show it back in slow motion, okay? If the merry-go-round was spinning clockwise, when you fly off, you will also be spinning clockwise. It's called the conservation of angular momentum. You'll spin clockwise right up until you hit what we call resistance. That's like a tree or telephone pole or something like that. But right up until that point, you'll be spinning clockwise. In physics, this is known as the conservation of angular momentum. If a spinning object breaks apart, the pieces that fly off will spin the same direction. Problem, if you want to believe in the Big Bang idea, that this dot that came from nowhere appeared and started spinning and exploded, everything should be spinning in the same direction, and it's not. we got a couple planets that are spinning backwards. Both Venus and, well, anyway, we need to rename that one, but there's a couple planets that spin backwards. There are galaxies that are spinning backwards from the other galaxies. Guys, if we just came from a Big Bang, this doesn't make sense. I believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God made it that way on purpose. God made these things spin backwards just to make the Big Bang Theory look bad. Second law of thermodynamics, everything tends toward disorder. Nothing gets better on its own. Evolution teaches the exact opposite of this. It says everything got better on its own. By the way, the Bible teaches the second law of thermodynamics. The heavens, they are the work of thine hands. They shall perish. They shall wax old as doth the garment. Guys, second law of thermodynamics applies to everything. Everything, even girls, okay? Do, uh, do, Do the bedrooms clean themselves? No, does the hair comb itself? No, you're like, if that's it, then yes, okay. Guys, you're welcome to get the prettiest, second prettiest girl in the whole world. I already got the first one. But uh, you're welcome to get the second prettiest one out there, but thermodynamics applies, okay? Everything tends toward disorder. Here's Sue at 20. Here she is at 90. Here she is at uh, 3,000 years old, just complete disorder, okay? So everything tends toward disorder. But in evolution, they teach the opposite. We started off as simple, an amoeba, and we got better all by ourselves. Guys, this goes against science. Adding energy doesn't help. I don't have time to go into this, but adding energy does not help. Hey, listen, you guys, have, most of you have been probably brought up with a public education. You've been taught evolution from the time you were in kindergarten. How many of you watch Dinosaur Train? Any Dinosaur Train watchers out there? Back in the day, I know, I know, I know. You still sneak a couple episodes every now and then, I know. But uh, they teach evolution on Dinosaur Train, on PBS, in all your textbooks, they're teaching it. So for some of you, you're like, Eric, I've only been taught evolution. Of course I believe in evolution. And I get that. If that's all you've been taught, I get it. I just want you to know they've been leaving things out. They've been not telling you some things. And I want you to know the truth. Evolution has six different meanings, only one of which is scientific. And it's not really evolution. It's adaptation. Animals always stay the same kind. That's the way God designed it. He said the animals are going to produce the same kind of animal. I don't want you to be tricked. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be lied to. I want you to know the truth. So what's your perspective? What's your perspective? Hey, who are you? Why are you here? Where did you come from? And where are you going when you die? Those questions are going to be answered based on your perspective, a creation or an evolution worldview. Make sure you have the right perspective because it makes a difference in how you live your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this little bit of time we got to enjoy this morning. Talk about creation versus evolution and how your word is true. 
God, as we think about the so what, what does this matter? God, would we, would we reflect on what does it matter? What does it mean if creation is true versus evolution is true? How does this affect the way I would live my life? How does this affect the way I would treat others if I treat them as an animal or if I treat them created in your image? Heavenly Fathers, we reflect on these truths and these things. God, would you bring truth to our mind and help us to see it like we've never seen it before? Thank you for loving us. Give us a safe day, I pray in your precious name. Amen.